Hey guys, Diane Canada here. Happy Monday. Y'all, today we're going to be talking about peacemakers. Like what is, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? We're going to be uh, exploring that today. What does it mean to have peace within yourself? How do we find peace with others? How do we bring peace in this chaotic and really just tumultuous political climate that we're in? Well, let's talk about it today. Let's explore it. So y'all come on back with me. I'll be right back. Now's the time for faith, I will praise your holy name, even when my whole world falls apart. Father, your light shines brighter in the dark. Hey guys, welcome back. Okay, so this is a big topic to try and explore in 30 minutes, right? <laughs> uh, but we're going to give it a shot today. I think it's worth diving into. Maybe we can come back to this, you know, from time to time. I think it's the one thing, don't you think it's the one thing that we all need a big heaping spoonful of right now is peace and hope. I mean, if our world needed that ever, it is now. So I, I just really think it's important to to continue to talk about, you know, the practical applications of this. We all know we need peace and hope, but how do we find it in this crazy world right now? How do we get there? So let's just, let's start. All right. I want to start with some, some very firm foundation. Um, the Sermon on the Mount is what I'd like to go to first. And this week I've been um, studying out of this great book. I don't know if you guys can see it. Is it backwards um, when I'm holding it up? It's Common Ground, the Common Ground Bible Study. Um, this was written by my friend Dr. Ming Wang and by Dr. Rice Brooks. Now, if you remember um, the movie God's Not Dead, um, this is Rice right here. I'm going to show you up close. Um, that's Rice and Dr. Wang. But they collaborated on this book. Well, Dr. Brooks is the uh, writer of the book God's Not Dead, which as many of you know, was turned into a movie. And if you remember the, the Chinese uh, student in that film, that character was based on Dr. Wang. So um, if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch it. It's pretty cool. I um, think it's worth, you know, checking out. But they collaborated on this great Bible study called Common Ground. And uh, this is a, a message that Dr. Wang gives a lot around town. He's going to be talking about it at our upcoming event, Lady Up America. But I, I'm just going to be pulling some excerpts from this today because it's really been speaking to me. It's really been helping me. And I just want to share it with you guys. So here is an, here is just a little snippet from the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. says God says, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And lastly, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay, what I love about this Bible study is it really broke it down when we when we 
hear a message like that, it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be poor in spirit. I don't want to be meek. I don't want to be, I don't want to hunger and thirst. I mean, these are things we kind of pull from this. But if we understand the deeper meaning, when we start to study it, we understand the deeper meaning. It really does bring a sense of peace. So let me kind of give you some short takeaways that I took from, from this great book. He says, when we, you know, we talk about being poor in spirit, what that basically means is it's not, it's not that we're, um, lowering our self-esteem. It's not saying that God wants us to have low self-esteem, but what it is saying is that he doesn't want us to have an exaggerated sense of our own self-importance. He says that he, that we need to remember that we too are weak and flawed. We're not superior to anybody. Okay. So that's what that means. Poor in spirit means, you know, don't drink your own Kool-Aid. <laughs> okay. Then to mourn, he talks about in here, Dr. Rice and Dr. Wayne talk about in here to mourn means to care about the pain and the struggle of other people, mercy and empathy for those who are hurting. So it's basically to share in each other's burdens and share in each other's pains and struggles, just sometimes to be there, just to sit there, to be meek. Meekness is not weakness. This is one of the, tr the really clear points he made in here to truly lead this is something I'm throwing in, but to truly lead, I learned a long time ago is to serve. So when you have a servant's heart and you have a humble heart, then it means you don't need the credit, right? You want to make Jesus's name more famous than your own. You're always pointing people back to him to realize that the power of this world, oh my gosh, it's so fleeting. It's so fleeting, but true power, eternal power only comes from him. So it's a, a sense of humility. And then to hunger and thirst for righteousness, the way they broke this down is it means that you care about truth and justice. It means that you care about what's right. You know, we all, we say all the time on this show that, you know, that God's Bible, you know, the Bible, God's law is the gauge between right and wrong. If not that, then what? <laughs> I, I challenge you to come up with a better gauge. Uh, and so it's, it's, seeking out the truth. And I realize that we're in a society right now where truth is not real popular. People are very happy in their deception. They really don't want truth. In fact, the more you seem to speak truth, the more and more you're censored, canceled, <laughs> you know, you name it. They, they, they're trying to shut down the, the Christian voices in our society left and right. But what we have to remember is it's only a few people trying to do that. There are powerful places, but it's only a few. What I found on my campaign trail and what I have found with talking with so many other legislators and so many people in so many walks of life, we are still broadly a Christian nation. And so anyway, I don't want to get off on that. I'm sorry. I tend to get sidetracked. All right. But to hunger and thirst for righteousness means to hunger and, and, and seek out constantly be, be hungry for truth. Then he talks about in the sermon to be merciful, give grace and forgiveness to others which is the polar opposite of being judgmental and critical to be pure in heart. He talks about, it's not trying to point out the sins of other people, like the little tattletales that are running around those who he says, so discord among their brothers and sisters. He talks about in here, you know, don't um, ignore the plank in your own eye, pointing out the splinter in, in someone else's. So it's also believing the best about people. And not the worst, like not automatically jumping to a conclusion that they were out to hurt you or out to get you. Maybe there was something totally else going on that you don't even, don't even know about. And if you knew, if you had all the facts and you would better understand. So it's just not jumping to those conclusions, not jumping to them, being willing to, you know, 
give people the benefit of the doubt. So that's to be pure in heart. And he did point out in here in this Bible study too, he says that doesn't make us gullible. It doesn't make us gullible. It doesn't make us naive, but it is the cure for cynicism and being a bridge builder to those that we don't agree with. Okay. So I, I can't, I can always tell a cynic, you know, uh, I can always tell if, if I meet somebody who's really, truly cynical, the chances are pretty good that they're not in great relationship with Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a fruit. Um, it's an evidence of, of a lack of fruit in their life typically. And then lastly, the Sermon on the Mount is to be a peacemaker. So it's to enter every situation with peace as your goal, to be a common ground seeker. But it doesn't mean peace at all costs. And they point that out very, very carefully in here. It's not peace at all costs, but it is going in with that as your goal. So I wanted to just kind of share with you a couple of my favorite scriptures in here on peace. And, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty of this. Okay. But I just want to lead with these. In Ephesians, God says, for he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups one? I think about that when I think about Democrat and Republican Party even right now. But he has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And how great would that be? <laughs> if, if God himself is our peace, he can make the dividing wall of hostility just crumble. And then this other one, it's a little longer, but I think it's worth sharing. In James 3, 14 through 18, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder, every vile practice. <laughs> but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I mean, those are beautiful words, <laughs> aren't they just beautiful? So y'all pick up this, the common ground uh, Bible study by Dr. Wang and Dr. Rice Brooks. But I think if we're going to talk about peace, what it is to be a peacemaker, I think that just laid some good foundation because we've got to be right in our own hearts first before we can go and sow peace in other places. Like, you know, if, if we, if we have a lot of um, junk going on inside of us, then we're not really being a good example of God's peace and people pick up on that. And then they don't buy what you have to say. <laughs> it's not really buying it. They, they think, you know, go fix your own life before you come over here trying to, you know, fix mine. And so we've got to, and not that we ever will arrive, in this area, I don't think that we're ever going to arrive, but I think we can, you know, get closer and closer. Are we going to fall off the wagon? Yep. We're going to fall off that distance between falling off and getting back on should become shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think that's the goal. We become uh, more and more and more like Jesus. The more we walk with him, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to arrive, but we can but we can continue to grow in that area. So like I said, I think we have to be right in our own hearts. Always be asking God for wisdom before we show up in these conversations with people. If we're trying to bring peace to a situation with someone we love. We're trying to bring peace to maybe a, a 
a coworker, you know, or we're trying to bring peace to it, to a political debate, you know, a, even on social media, whatever it is, if we approach the conversation prayed up, you know, asking God to just kind of speak through us before we even open our mouth or type, <laughs> you know, then we're, we're likely going to have a much different tone and a much different approach than if we just kind of blurt out of anger, emotion, whatever. The other thing I want to talk about today is that when it comes to peace and, and, and maintaining a peace inside of ourselves, we've, you know, we have to remember that we teach people how to treat us. I didn't get that for the longest time, but we, we teach people how to treat us. And so we have to have a, a respect for ourselves. And then we have to insist that other people respect us, no matter who they are, no matter how close to us they are, no matter how much we love them, no matter how much we want peace. It can't be like they say in this book, it can't be peace at all costs. It's likely going to cost one or both of you something. All right. And, so peace can't mean that you lie down like a doormat and just, you know, like I hear people say, I just want peace. I just want peace. And so they let their kids do whatever they want or they just let, you know, and, and, and that's not real peace. That might be, you might get quiet for a few minutes, but that's not peace. You know, it can't mean giving away the farm either. You know, it can't mean just sure take, yeah, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you want just for peace. It can't mean that. And it can't mean compromising our principles, which should be and hopefully are very deeply rooted in God's word. Can't mean compromising those. So when we're talking about it at the political level, right, one of the things I talked about last week is that, you know, we, we have to maintain peace through strength in our military. Real evil is in the world. Make no mistake. You can't reason with everyone. God says so far as it has to do with you, find peace with everybody. In other words, as much as you can help it, find peace with everybody. But if the other person is not willing to be peaceful with you, then, you know, we can't sit around and just hold hands. It's not kumbaya all the time, which is what a lot of, uh, you know, that's what I see a lot with liberal progressives is they think that we can just lull everybody into this utopia if everybody were just enlightened enough and all that. Well, I'd love to see that. And I, I talk about this all the time. I'd love to see that. But we are in a sin filled world. We have a sin nature and not everybody wants peace. Not everybody wants God's ways. Not everybody wants everybody to get along. In fact, there are people that want to, you know, <laughs> I just, I just watched this thing on um, Tucker Carlson the other day. It's on Fox nation. It's not on regular Fox, but it's on the app Fox nation, Fox nation. And it was talking about the gang MS 13 and Oh my gosh, if you get a chance to watch that, watch it with caution because it's very, very upsetting. But there are, this is a, an organization, a gang organization that is worldwide, hundreds of thousands of them across the world, but they are in every state. Well, probably, but it definitely in the major cities, LA for sure, Long Island, New York, they're very prevalent. We just, uh, they just arrested a bunch of them here in Nashville. They're right here in our backyard. These people are Satan worshipers. Um, that or they believe in the old Mayan, uh, you know, brutality. They are like animals. They come at you 14, 15 at a time. And they don't just, uh, they don't just hurt you. 
they dismember, they butcher, they are violent. They are horribly violent. And they actually write on the walls, Satan told me to, or Satan killed them. So if Satan is real, he's alive and well in this world. Make no mistake. And if people can believe in Satan, I don't know how they can't believe in Jesus. It's a spiritual realm. But I say a lot that these are not spiritual. This is this is no longer a, a you know good and bad. And a lot of people are saying this in the world right now. We're in a world right now where it's down to good and evil. Devil is rampant. And so we have to fight with spiritual weapons. And so that's why I always come back to scriptures and I come back to things like this, like Sermon on the Mount, because this is how we fight. We have to fight in God's strength, We're not our own. So there is real evil out there, real evil. And you've got, you know, countries shouting death to America and they've infiltrated here in our country. They're, they live among us. So I'm not saying sit around in Kumbaya. What I am saying is being diligent and, and tapping into God's wisdom, listening to that little inner voice inside of us and realizing that you can't reason with everyone. But so much as it depends on you, we should try. We should try to find that common ground. When you're dealing with animals, <laughs> you know, w then you have we have to take a different approach. So that's what I mean. It's not peace at all costs. It's we have to we have to stand up sometimes. Sometimes it's going to get ugly. Sometimes it's going to get bloody, you know, um, in order to maintain to defend. We, we don't want to be on offense with that. We don't want to be on offense going out and trying to hurt people. But when people try and hurt us or try to violate our, you know, our self-respect or our dignity or even our lives, then 100 percent we have to we have to fight. OK, so anyway, but peace is the goal. Just understanding that peace may not always um, be possible. And so being armed and ready with other tools and they have to be our spiritual tools. We talk about unity a lot in our culture, but how do we get there? Especially when we talk about things like I just brought up. Like I said, we're living in this upside down world. Wrong is right. Um, seems like people are just always shouting at each other. Excuse me. So how do we bring unity? To that so I'm not talking about the extremes like the MS 13s of the world and you know the terrorists of the world I'm not talking about that but I'm just talking about in our everyday lives how do we stop the shouting how do we stop the confrontation well it takes two to argue right <laughs> if we refuse to get in the ring if we just refuse to get in the ring then the fighting and the shouting is really just one-sided and eventually they kind of get tired of it and they stop and that's where self-control comes in. I talk a lot about self-control on here that, you know, the fruit of the spirit is gentleness, meekness, kindness, all these, all these things we're talking about here from the Sermon on the Mount, but it's bookended in self-control. And it just means that, you know, you refuse to be offended. You know, if people are shouting and they are, you know, in your face with a finger, um, First of all, you want to try to not let it get to that point, right? But whoever the one whoever the one is who is out of control like that is probably very much out of control inside too. They're either deceived or they're they're trying to overpower you, trying to overcome you, whatever it is. You don't have to partner with that. You don't have to play along with that. Um, you don't have to fuel it. 
and the way we fuel it is by continuing to either defend ourselves or trying to prove that we're right or uh, trying to, to belittle them. None of that works. I mean, show me one example where any of that has ever worked. It doesn't. So what we have to do is we have to refuse to get in the ring. We have to just refuse. It doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye or any of that, but it just means we try a different approach. So when the person is talking to you, you can ask them a question. You can say, if I listen to you, if I hear you out, would you be willing to hear me out? You know, and if they say no, if they, I mean, obviously they're not going to say no likely, but if they do, then, you know, don't even engage, don't even, don't even listen. But if they're willing to have an adult conversation, you can ask them that, say, you know, I care about what you think. I care about what you care about. And I'd like to hear your point of view. Do you think we can do it in a civil way? And if I promise to listen to everything that you want to say, will you give me that same, you know, respect and just see what they say, you know, and that's one way we can prevent the escalation and let them say everything without interrupting them, without correcting them, without defending your position, anything. Just let them get it all out of their system. You know, the number one thing people want is to be heard. That's what they want more than anything. They want to feel like they were heard, you know, and, and if you give them that respect, then there's pretty good chance then that they'll give you that same respect. They may not do it perfectly. They may interrupt you, defend themselves, defend their point, you know, but you can just, you can gently say, I heard you out. Will you hear me out? And just be gentle and be soft and, and be patient. And that's one way we can bring peace to all the shouting. Like I said, it takes two to argue. If you just refuse to do it, then we'll tone it down. We hear things like we're all in this together, right? Well, like in Dr. Wayne's Bible study, they explained that all in this together doesn't necessarily mean unity. You know, um, they explained in here, like you can be on an elevator with a bunch of strangers. You're all together in a small space, but it doesn't mean you're in unity. It doesn't mean you're in relationship. Jesus talks about how, you know, how the disciples were, I mean, the disciples were just a hot mess, y'all. <laughs> they just were. They were arguing. They're talking here about how they were often arguing, accusing one another, turning on each other. All of them abandoned the Lord in his darkest hour, every single one of them. But after his resurrection, they talk about in this book, Jesus sought them out and restored their relationship with him and with one another. So there's redemption and there's um, restoration when there's forgiveness. So let's just say that you're, there's somebody in your life uh, that has just been really ugly or every time you're around them, there's a fight, whatever. There, there can be a spirit of forgiveness that comes from you that will permeate them eventually. may not happen right away, but when you have a soft approach and you're willing to forgive them, then that can build a bridge, especially when they don't deserve to be forgiven. <laughs> You know, especially when they were in the wrong or let's just say maybe you were too. You know, if you learn to forgive yourself and then you um, receive, you're able to receive forgiveness from, from them, then we can start to build bridges. But we have to understand the thing about forgiveness is I know a lot of people stomp their feet and they say, I could never forgive. You don't know what they did to me. I, I'll, I'm sorry. I just can't forgive. Well, you know what? That's not doing anything but keeping you locked up. I learned this a long time ago. Y'all had a, I've had a lot of situations, but I had one situation in particular that happened to me that was so unbelievably unjust and hurt. It was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. 
And if you want to know what it is, you can read my book. I've, I've written it all out in there. But my defining moment and forgiveness doesn't mean that you that you th that you're saying that the other person um, you're not letting them off the hook. You're not you're not saying that what they did was OK. You're not. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is just you taking your hand off their throat. Forgiveness is you turning it over to God. It's a it's a choice. You're not going to feel like it, but you can still choose to do it even when you don't feel like it. You know, so if somebody's hurt you, somebody said something that's really hurt you. Jesus tells us to forgive, to forgive our enemies and to even pray for them and bless them. It's hard to do. But if you want peace, if you want to be a peacemaker, it's a requirement. I said to God in my situation, I forgive him. Please help me mean it, Lord. <laughs> Please help my emotions catch up. My emotions still haven't caught up. I'm going to be honest with you. And it's been 31 years, 30 anyway. My emotions still haven't caught up, but I forgave a long time ago. And when you forgive, you take those handcuffs off of yourself. Um, I heard Joyce Meyer put it this way. It's like when you refuse to forgive, it's like you're eating poison and you're hoping the other person dies. Forgiveness is toxic. It's lethal. And or, or when you, I mean, unforgiveness, when you, when you refuse to forgive, it's toxic and it's lethal to you. So if you want peace in your own heart, forgiveness is a, is a requirement. All these things we just talked about, Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, we have to learn to live by these principles. And only then can we show up in the world and be able to offer olive branches to other people and offer peace to other people. And again, you're not always going to feel like it. Your, your feelings are, are they're, I realize they're strong, but they're also very unreliable. <laughs> okay, so don't count on them. Peace is not a last resort, but a primary goal for us with others. That's a quote out of this book. You know, uh, I see a lot of people go take a day at the spa and, you know, they're they're trying to disappear into this massage and these facials and into these Zen environments. But if your mind's all cranked up, you know, and you can't turn it off, then it's not very peaceful. You can't outrun you, you can't outrun yourself. So that peace has to first be found within you. Listen to these lessons Jesus taught us on the Sermon on the Mount. And we need to start applying those if we want to bring real peace and unity back in our country. We got to stop the finger pointing. We got to stop the shouting. We got to stop the tattletelling. We got to stop the fault fighting. All these things that we're doing to, to perpetuate it in Jesus' name even. <laughs> oh, y'all, we have so many blind spots. And we just got to get over our sweet selves. We really do. Go pray. I'm going to pray over here in just a second. But Lord, we got to pray for the Lord to reveal those blind spots to us so that we can start being more mindful and being more effective in the world. <coughs> I don't know why I want to cough. Hang on. But if we're going to be real women of influence, then we got to get it straight in here first. Okay. So. Peace of mind is huge. We only get it from God in this dark world. And we only get it from, we only get, we, we're only able to offer peace to others when we have it inside. We can't give away what we don't have. All right. So 
let me pray over you today. I hope that's been helpful. Um, I know it's uh, some of that's tough to hear, but I hope it's also been refreshing for you to hear. You know, you're going to get the truth here. It may not always feel good, but it's eventually it will. You know, it doesn't feel good right away, but, you know, eventually it will if you'll just trust me. I've been there, y'all. I'm not telling y'all anything. I haven't lived and walked out on my own. <laughs> People ask me all the time, how can you be so peaceful when this, this, and this is going on? You know, I've learned. I've learned. I've tried everything else, and this is the only thing that works. Jesus, that's it. All right, guys, here we go. Let me pray over you today. Oh, Father God, I come to you today, and I lift up every woman under the sound of my voice that's listening right now. Father, you you know, <laughs> you know every inch of our heart. You've searched every inch of it, and you know exactly where the area, the work, the work zones, the you know, the construction zones are in our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that you're on the job there and that we are a work in progress. And the Lord, you love us, even though we're never going to arrive. We're never going to be perfect. You've already you've already provided for that, Lord. I ask you to not only search our hearts, but Lord, to start slowly and gently revealing to us where our blind spots are, where those construction zones are. And Lord, help us in these moments, in these tempting moments in our society right now, when we're tempted to get upset, we're tempted to lose our temper, we're tempted to just reach out and shake somebody. Lord, I pray that you give us that self-control, that you, I just pray a blanket of that over the ladies listening right now, that Lord, they have incredible self-control, that Lord, they would think about this message and they would go to your Bible, Lord, and they would read the Sermon on the Mount. They would read all of the lessons. I, I pray, Lord, that everyone listening looks up every scripture they can on peace and that it starts to really get embedded down into their soul. And Lord, give us the ability to not only settle down inside, to have a peace inside, but Lord, that we could be an extender of that to other people. We could all remember that we all have fallen short. We all are flawed and, and we all make mistakes. So let that really permeate us, Lord, and, and help us to have more patience and more empathy and more mercy for other people. Lord, help us to be women of influence where what we have to say is attractive to people, Lord, and that those that are lost in the world, those that don't know you would be attracted to every woman under the sound of my voice, that they would be attracted to her and want to hear about you through her, Lord. Use them as your special ops in the world, God. Equip them and use them. They're willing servants for you. We all are, Lord. When it's our honor, it's our honor to serve you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. I hope that's helped you today. Have a wonderful afternoon. And I will see you back here tomorrow, 3 o'clock sharp. All right. Have a great day. Mwah.